Welcome to Marxist Voice, bringing you ideas and analysis from Socialist Appeal, the Marxist voice of labour and youth. For regular updates, subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider or visit www.socialist.net. Today we are going to be joined in a second by Ian Hodson, who's the president of the Bakers Food and Allied Workers Union. And uh, Ian's union organises uh, particularly precarious workers, uh, McDonald's, Weatherspoons, and obviously a lot of these workers are really at the forefront of uh, some of the attacks that are taking place at the present time with the bosses, these unscrupulous bosses, trying to take advantage of the coronavirus crisis to, to lay off workers and put all of the burden of this crisis onto the shoulders of the working class. Uh, over this week, we've heard from other sectors of workers. Uh, we had f- heard from Helen O'Connor of the GMB on Monday talking about NHS workers. Last night, we spoke to uh, Natasha Sorrell, a teaching activist, uh, part of the Ed- uh, National Education Union, who told us about workers on the front line. And now we're very lucky tonight to be joined by Ian, who's going to be talking about workers who are, uh, you know, the most precarious workers who are really facing a very uncertain future in during this time of deep capitalist crisis. So without further ado, uh, I will get Ian on the line. Oh, actually, just before I do, a reminder that uh, because this is a live broadcast, you can send in uh, your questions and your comments and your thoughts and we should have some time for those uh, at the end. Um, so please, uh, in particular, follow us on the YouTube channel and post your comments there. Uh, so now I'll try and get uh, Ian on the line. Ian, hello. You are right there? Can you hear us okay? Yeah, I can hear you, mate. Can you yeah. hear me? Yeah, all good. Um, so you feeling uh, healthy? You're safe? In, in, um, back I'm, going slightly, I'm going slightly mad stuck in the house all the time, but uh, obviously... Um, it's the right thing to do. Uh, we've got to keep our health workers safe. Um, obviously, it's, it's important that we that we do follow the rules because obviously this virus um, can be deadly uh, to to you know, the different generations. Despite what we were all being told at the beginning. Exactly, uh, exactly. There's been a lot of uh, misinformation spread by the government and uh, and also by bosses who are trying to keep production going and things like that. Um, I think uh, obviously like from from uh from the point of view of the viewers tonight i think it'd be really interesting to hear about uh the work that your union's been doing at this time and in particular uh the workers that you represent in weatherspoons because uh, i'm sure many people have seen over the last week this scandal uh involving weatherspoons boss tim martin telling uh, workers to uh you know put up with his uh, conditions his terms and if he did if people didn't like it he told them to go and work in tesco which is a bit of an f off uh, as far as I can see. Um, tell us about uh, this struggle with the Weatherspoons workers. What exactly was threatened and, and what's happened over the last week? Yeah, I mean, yeah, first first thing I'd like to do, though, is give a big shout out to all of those people that, that you know, are working, you know, making sure that the food chain um, is kept, you know, uh, as full to the brim as it possibly can, you know, because obviously we've got a lot of people out there that think they're going to run out of food and they've been panic buying. Um, there is there is no risk to the food supply. I mean, uh, our, our members are working uh, additional hours to try and keep up uh, with the demands that people have, you know. And obviously, I send out, you know, um, you know, our, our, our thanks 
to the work that those people are doing. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and like you say, it really, really is unfortunate that unfortunately some employers uh, haven't got the loyalty and commitment and dedication um, that those workers have got. You know, and this week we have witnessed, unfortunately, a decision by um, Tim Martin to send a video uh, to his workforce um, where he appeared drunk uh, with a cup in his hand um, and, and basically, you know, telling them, you know, um, thanks for everything you've done for me. Um, I've made me millions. Uh, I really don't want to take responsibility. Uh, so go off and work for Tesco rather than, you know, uh, me have to really make a claim on the government to um, to subsidise any any loss of your pay. I mean, it was it was really despicable uh, of him. You know, I mean, this man makes an awful lot of money from those pubs, and yet he thought it was okay uh, of of him to actually suggest that um, he wouldn't pay his workers until the government put the funds into his bank, which would have left a lot of low-paid workers who really live from from paycheck to paycheck. Um, at the mercy of, of landlords, it would have meant probably, you know, many of them facing eviction. I know there's been an update on, on, the, on the position in relation to not being able to pay your rent. Uh, but on Monday, that, that, that information wasn't available. And there was an awful lot of worried um, people that, that worked for Witherspoons. He employs 40,000 people. There's 40,000 people not going to receive any pay for up to four to five weeks, you know. And it could have been longer if the government's uh, scheme is delayed. No, so, so, so what happened after that? So, I mean, from what I saw, and we've actually got an article on socialist.net about this, and uh, we saw uh, that there was a big uh, backlash, as far as you could see on Twitter in particular. And uh, I know the Baker's Union, uh, your union, got involved and... Uh, uh, we've got there's a video if anyone wants to see it of the uh, the the drunken rant by Tim Martin. Uh, just showing that to the viewers, and then here the letter uh, that 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 you yourselves the the Bakers Union sent uh, to, to 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 spoons to to the bosses uh, demanding uh, the the proper pay. Um, so what exactly happened? How how did this uh, fight back occur, and uh, and what was the result? Obviously, I mean, we've, we've got some very, very good activists in Weatherspoons and very well-organised uh, people indeed, you know. They're, they're, you know, despite what people may believe about people uh, in the hospitality sector, these are very, very um, intelligent people. And, and, and what they did was they came together and, and they, they campaigned together, which obviously was very, very effective. Uh, they, they spoke with our, our um, organisers, um, and, and jointly put this, this campaign together across social media, uh, obviously using our links um, through, through politicians, uh, which obviously we were very grateful for their support. Obviously in the media, um, based on the stuff that we've been doing around Next Drive, we've become quite effective at, uh, at media. Um, and, and that enabled us to get their message and amplify uh, their voices. Uh, which which encouraged many many people to get involved, and I think you know we, we're very very grateful for the support that all of the people have given us, and, and to make sure that those workers actually you know received uh, what they're basically entitled to uh, from the government. But of course, we aren't stopping at just getting the government funding. We're we're demanding you know that these workers get a hundred percent pay. You know, I mean definitely, they they definitely. they've made this a very profitable. 
business. I mean, it's a very successful British business. You know, I mean, the, the reality is, is it's probably one of the biggest successes in Britain in recent years. You know, um, I mean, so so I mean, if anybody you know has the ability to pay, he certainly does, and, and you know, we we are not going to stop. You know, we're going to probably going to constantly turn around like like Boris used get Brexit done, we want 100% done for these workers. You know, it's the right thing to do. Definitely, definitely. And you're, you're seeing, as you said, it's not just Tim Martin, but bosses across the board trying to get away with uh, all of these scandalous uh, kind of actions, trying to keep production going in unessential businesses, uh, trying to keep construction sites going. And obviously yourselves, uh, as, as the Bakers and Food Workers Union, you must be, as you, as you said at, uh, at the beginning, you know, paying, uh, you know, tribute to all these people in the food industry who are working flat out to try and keep supply chains going. And meanwhile, you've got the bosses actually in these big businesses, Tesco's and the supermarkets and so forth, obviously pushing up prices, trying to profiteer off these shortages of the scarcity. But what... Uh, what are you seeing amongst your members in those kind of industries in terms of the conditions they're facing, people on the shop floors, in the factories where the food's being made? Are they being protected? Are they being um, treated fairly? Like, what, what, what's the conditions like there as well? So, so I mean, obviously, we're getting reports of both uh, good practice and, and, unfortunately, some bad practice. I mean, and obviously, where, where we, we have these issues raised with us about bad practices they're obviously contacting the company and trying to make sure that they put them right and if they fail to put them right then obviously we will name and shame these companies you know we will do it through social media um because obviously these these workers are putting themselves at risk on a daily basis by going into work in the first place they're putting their families at risk you know but it's all in the interest of making sure that you know the food chain is kept supplied you know and, and the, the reality is is these employers have a duty towards their workforce, these loyal workers who have committed themselves, you know, to go in there and do a decent job, you know, have the right to accept when expect when they go into a workplace that they will they will be treated with the dignity and respect that they deserve. So, you know, where employers are failing, you know, we are contacting them. Uh, where it's not put right immediately, then we will go online. We will we will make it, you know, the People like Rachel Reeves, for example, aware, uh, who has been very supportive, um, certainly of the Weatherspoon stuff, uh, by bringing Tim Martin in front of them. Uh, we're working with different media outlets to to actually put lists and compile lists of employers that have failed to stand by workers uh, during this crisis. You know, I mean, a lot of them donated to the Tory party, and the Tory party actually told them and instructed them, stand by your workers. And yet, most of them, unfortunately, many of them are failing. I won't say most of them because it's not most of them. It's just, it's just a, a large minority that is. Yeah, definitely. And I guess this is quite a difficult period then for uh, unions because obviously, uh, you know, we're all in self-isolation. Uh, we're forced to have this social distancing. Um, what kind of tactics uh, do you think unions can be deploying? And what, what kind of campaigns are you running and, and what strategy have you got for trying to organize workers in this difficult period? So so one of the one of the one of the things that, that, that actually we would say this is is it is an opportunity to organize workers. I think workers are now realizing, you know, for, for all of the 
you know, the baloney about how they're looked after by their employer. Unfortunately, too many of them are now finding out they're actually not. And the moment a crisis hits, they're, they're, they're discarded and, and they're treated appallingly. And, and I think many of them are, are realizing actually that their best ways to protect themselves is to organize themselves. So I actually do think, you know, that the workers themselves are realizing that they've been misled. So you do know, you think... Best... Sorry, yeah. Yeah, do you think there'll be a big uptake in union membership coming out of this? Because it does seem like, you know, the, the, the fact that we live in a class society where you either are a big boss like Richard Branson who can sack his workers at will or you're one of those workers who's forced to, 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 to sell yourself for a wage. What, you know, what um, uh, do, 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 do you think um, do you think this will this the fact that people are seeing that sharp class divide now in society, those those big injustices, those big inequalities. Do you think that's going to lead to a big uptake in union membership and and more people, particularly in, in the sectors that you organise, coming into the trade unions? I, I think I think for certain people are now realising that they, they need to be organised, that, that the strength that, that they have is the support of one another. I mean, you know, the, the realisation that their boss isn't going to protect them, you know, the, the, the realisation that, you know, if it wasn't for the government, you know, putting a scheme in place, they would have been abandoned. You know, I, I, th I think that's really resonating now with, with working people. And I, and, I, and I really do believe that their eyes have been open to the fact that, you know, it's, it's by organising, because they're seeing as well, you know, the comparison of workers who were in trade unions and the protections that were successful uh, in achieving and comparing that to what's happening to them. And they're trying to contrast the two and they're trying to understand why it is for example, you know that we've negotiated for sick pay, you know, in in in, a, in, in most of in most of the places that we're recognised in, but yet other other places which haven't got a trade union have not got full sick pay. They're not receiving full sick pay; they're just receiving statutory. Why, in so many cases, if our people are laid off, you know, Greg's, for example, I mean, they've shut all their shops down and compared that to McDonald's, all those people are receiving a hundred percent of pay. You know, whereas McDonald's, I know they're receiving it for two weeks, but then they're just going to get the state. And currently, Weatherspoons, like you know, we've already discussed, are only going to get 80%, which is the government, you know, position. Now, contrast, contrast those places, and, and the, 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 common, the common theme is, is where there's a trade union and workers are organised, we've been able to secure uh, no loss of earnings for people compared to a place which is unorganized and people are having to fight. I mean, so the contrast is there to be seen. Definitely, definitely. And you talked there about some of these kind of measures that the government's brought in uh, nominally to protect workers, you know, the 80% the, the of wages that they'll subsidize um, and try and encourage bosses to, to maintain uh, their employer, uh, their employee uh, workforce. Uh, and now, obviously, yesterday you had the announcement by the Chancellor that they were going to offer self-employed people a similar package, but they wouldn't be able to claim it until June, which you wonder <laughs> how people are going to supposed to make ends meet between now and then uh, when, when you know, the whole of the economy's being uh, shut down and people aren't going out to buy. These kind of measures, 
have the unions been involved and had any say in these kind of things? Was there any uh, seat at the table for working people on these things? Or was it very much a case of uh, just being presented with a fait accompli? Um, and, and, and also, what do, you, what do you see these measures as being intended to do? What, what, are they actually there to protect workers or are they there uh, to prop up the system? I mean, from the point of view, was we was we involved in any of the discussions? Well, the answer to that is no. I mean, I know the TUC were. I mean, I saw pictures of the TUC sitting at a table, so I assume they were. Uh, but nobody nobody contacted us to ask what our issues were. As you know, you know, because we're because we're essential workers now. Uh, we used to be low paid and low skilled, but now we're essential, which is great. You know, uh, the, the the people who work in our industry have been been finally recognised. For the role that they do play in our economy because they are essential uh, to a successful economy and uh, they are essential in the time of crisis because without the food you know a lot of people uh, now would be um, you know in, in serious in serious bother I think if it wasn't for the food chain because they are essential workers I think I think you know we should have been consulted I think it would have been right for us to you know at least have the opportunity to feed in um, to the process. I mean, obviously, we're, we're great believers that, that what they should have introduced is a basic uh, universal income, for example. We think that would have been much simpler. Um, we think that that would have, you know, made sure that people uh, were secure, including the, the self-employed. Problem that, that the self-employed are facing is if, if if they've started out, or if their businesses haven't been that successful, or if they, you know, you know, are, are one of the so-called self-employed. Um, in, in the uh, in the sector, which obviously really isn't self-employed, then the idea that their their income is going to be based on their profits um, isn't isn't a reality. I mean, you know, I haven't seen any any support yet for zero hours workers, for example. But to make people wait till June, you know, I mean, is 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 just ridiculous. I mean, you know, those people need to live, and you know, I would imagine that most of those households. You know, a reliance on that income. Um, and, and you're right. Like, there's a lot of bogus self-employment, isn't there? A lot yeah. of people now in the gig economy. Um, you know, I know that your union and others have campaigned against, uh, you know, companies like Uber who try and class their workers as being uh, self-employed when obviously they are uh, are, are workers <laughs> and without the rights. You know. And then uh, in, on construction sites, you often have people being classed as self-employed when they should be workers. Um, so it, are these the kind of uh, you know demands that we need to keep fighting for after this crisis is over to, to end zero-hour <laughs> contracts, end this kind of bogus self-employment, get people on proper sick pay, proper you know workers' rights and so forth? Yeah, I mean, I mean zero-hour contracts, they shouldn't exist. I mean, and obviously, you know, what, what is highlighted this crisis is that you know, there is no support system in place for people on the zero hours contracts. They, they are, you know, not, not just outside of a crisis are they are they um, not supported, but in a crisis, they've not been supported either. I, th I think, you know, we, we really do need to up uh, the game in relation to making sure exploitative employment practices are ended. You know, I mean, obviously I'm part of the, the, the zero hours justice campaign, uh, which has been set up, which launched in January to... to you know, make, make sure that these contracts are ending. Um, and, you know, I think it's very, very important that people see the reality now of, of, of what it's like to actually live on a zero hours contract and the fact that you've got absolutely 
no support mechanisms whatsoever. These are the lowest paid people, you know, probably in the working community. And, you know, they have got no support structure whatsoever. They're reliant on families and friends. Definitely. And they can't go near them. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I mean, I, there's going to be a lot of uh, awakening, I think, in terms of people just realising how many people are, you know, on these precarious contracts and uh, in these precarious conditions. And, you know, it's it's what strikes me is that, you know, for a long time, the Tories have been boasting about record low unemployment figures, uh, which have all been massage numbers that they've they've kind of they've 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 managed to achieve by precisely these measures, by having everyone on zero hour contracts, by not giving people proper hours, by having people classed as self-employed when they should be in work. You know, it's it, 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 it strikes me as all these things the Tories have done to boast about employment is now suddenly turning into its opposite. And people are realizing that there's a hell of a lot of people out there who, who are only one, you know, one or two weeks away from uh, starvation. What, you know, who are only one missed paycheck away from, uh, you know, failing to pay the, the rent and the bills. Um, and yeah, it seems like we need a, a, a big, uh, you know, a fight on our hands after this to, 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 to get genuine employment, genuine full employment. But, just going back to that question earlier then, what do you think the Tories are trying to achieve then with these measures? Do you think they've got workers' interests at heart with these kind of announcements or uh, is it basically just trying to keep the system going and on behalf of the of the bosses? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I believe that they've been forced into a lot of the decisions that they've made. I, I believe they've been shamed into it. I don't believe really they, they were really uh, convinced that that was the way to go, but I think they've had no option but to adopt these measures. I mean, but they've still tried the best they can to make sure that it's, you know, it's, it's in the hands of, of the people uh, that they would see as their natural uh, bedfellows. I mean, it's the bosses that make the decisions on whether or not uh, someone gets the, the, the payment from the, the scheme that they've set up. You know, it's the banks that control the loans. I mean, the reality is it's all based on loans. It's not actually based on putting, you know, real, you know, money into the economy in, in, in the way that I view it. You know, I mean, whereas a universal basic income, for example, would have, would have given those people, you know, uh, the opportunity to have a basic wage. And I think the reason why they want to introduce it is because once people have seen it and they've experienced it, they won't want to let it go. You know, and, and, I, and I think that's the reason why they wouldn't allow it to, to happen. So I guess there's this idea that appetite comes with eating for for ordinary yeah. people, doesn't it? In the sense it that does, yeah. if uh, if 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 they give with one hand today, people will be asking for a lot more. Rightly, be asking for a lot more in terms of you know if like you say if they can if they can bail out uh, the big businesses now, why can't they also you know invest in climate change? Why can't they give people proper exactly. sick pay, proper hours? Why can't they uh, invest in the NHS? You know all of these sorts of things, but I guess you've raised an interesting question there as well, which is a very important question, which is what's going to happen, you know, when when this initial kind of wave of the pandemic is is over, you know, like you say, all of this is being done with borrowed money, basically borrowed from the capitalists, presumably in terms of, you know, uh, the government selling its its bonds in order to, 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 to fund all of these measures. And you can't help but think that what they give with one hand today they're going to try and take back with the other in the form of austerity tomorrow. So, do you do you see there being quite a quite an immense struggle 
afterwards to try and maintain you know decent standards of living decent decent working conditions decent public services i mean i, I like i like the analogy that this is a war and the reason why i like the, the idea that this is a war is because you know I, I think back to the last time you know britain was devastated by a war and and, and what came out of it you know we had an atlee government that was elected and, and we built council houses so people had somewhere decent to live we we created the national health service so so you know people you know, wouldn't struggle with the health. You know, we, we, we made sure that we created full employment by putting all the people back to work with contracts of employment into decent jobs and giving them decent pay. What I haven't heard, you know, is anybody paint that picture apart from the likes of Jeremy Corbyn that was just been talking about this opportunity for, for, for years. I mean, I would have liked to have heard, you know, the, the, you know, the people who were vying for the leadership of the Labour Party talk about this because I think the appetite for change, you know, is, is one that, that that is there, but they, they need they need a leader. They, they need a leader to say, oh, this is what the country could be. You know, all this idea that we didn't have the money, you know, goes out the window. The magic I mean, money we, tree that the Tories the said didn't exist. Tree, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, because it's there, obviously. Otherwise, otherwise, we wouldn't be able to suddenly invest all this money. I mean, we wouldn't be able to give Dyson the money for, for looking at new ventilating machines, you know. I think he should stick to Hoover's. I mean, he decided he wanted to leave the country so he didn't have to pay taxes. And I think he should have invested that money in companies uh, in the UK uh, that are already main, making uh, those, those ventilators. But, you know, that, those are government decisions, aren't they? As, you know, we've seen today with another announcement on homelessness, where they suddenly found the ability to home all of those people that are living on our streets. What that tells you is those people that were living on our streets were left there deliberately as a, as, a, as a way of making people afraid that if you didn't follow the rules, if you didn't take the exploits of employment, that could be you. Because they've always had the ability to house these people. You know, they just chose not to. And, and I think that's what a lot of people are going to witness now. The reality against the picture that for, for, for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years has been painted that there is no alternative to the, to the place... That, that they have had us in, you know, and the reality is it could be a whole lot different and we're entitled to that, I believe. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think you mentioned earlier uh, just now about the uh, the Labour leaders and, uh, you know, the need for someone to come forward and really put forward this alternative vision, this socialist vision. And uh, it ties also to a question you, you, you know, you just kind of raised there as well about, you know, the need for these ventilators, trying to get big business to produce uh, these these necessary things to, to fight this war against this pandemic you know is you're right to use that analogy and um, the the reason I bring in the labor leaders is obviously Rebecca long Bailey I, I believe you, you, the the Baker's Union is is uh, has yeah. endorsed her that's right as one of several unions that's backing her for obviously the the, the, the the vision she's putting forwards and in particular questions like public ownership um, I know Rebecca long Bailey Richard Bergen socialist appeal have supported uh, their yeah. campaigns as well and um, and both of them notably have raised this question of clause four and a new clause four uh, as as a necessary step for the Labour Party to put I think Richard Bergen put it well when he said we need to put public ownership back into the DNA you know and in, in put it in the DNA of our party 
and, uh, and and in that sense kind of go back to the old clause four which talked about common ownership and that seems very relevant to me today uh, you know if you're talking about the war and how they fought the war the second world war taking control of the economy nationalizations yeah. and and as you say the things that occurred after the world you know and, and if we're talking about needing ventilators today then surely yeah we should be nationalizing companies like uh, like dyson's and and the supermarkets that are profiteering otherwise and the, you know bringing back all the the, the services in-house in the nhs so do you and you uh, you know, I've worked very closely with uh, Socialist Appeal supporters and, and other trade union activists in um, in the Labour for Clause 4 campaign, speaking on this question of the need for public ownership, the need for a, for a socialist clause for how do you see this as a, as a relevant question now in this in this time, particularly with the Labour leadership contest kind of coming to uh, a head and, and in this middle of this pandemic in this crisis? I, th I think the crisis has, has, has demonstrated that the capitalist, you know, elements uh, within our economy are not there to support us at a time of crisis. They're there to profit, you know. And and, and what's very very important is, is if we're gonna if we're gonna survive um, as as a you know, as a nation, you know. I mean, I don't like to use the word nation, but if we're gonna survive as a nation outside of the European Union, I think what's really really important, you know, and what was missing from the from the, from the budget. Was the investment into 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 the country? It's all right saying, "Oh, we're going to build roads and we're going to make train tracks for private for private companies to 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 go up and down on." But but the reality is, if we don't if we don't build things, right, and if there's no investment in in our manufacturing base, if there's no investment, you know, we, sh we should be using British steel for all of these projects instead of importing it, for example, and putting our British steel workers back to work. You know, relying on a, a you know a private capitalist to come in and take control of that and, and do it in our interest is is not in the long term going to be a, a a way forward to build a successful economy. I think we have to be nationalised. I think nationalisation should be a key talking point. You know, within within the Labour Party, I think it should you know now actually become. You know, quite a, a a relevant conversation about how we paint a picture of what a future Britain would look like with a Labour government, and it is about taking back control of of our of our industries. It is about saying, you know, the, the, you know, for us to survive as a people, then then we must have you know a, a an economic base which is which is putting people into work which is building houses so we have somewhere decent to live which is building our own trains and not relying on you know somebody you know providing them for us at a price we well, actually probably we can't afford you know it's taking back our electric and our energy and our gas and our water it's taking back you know our, our postal services to make sure that those people are properly supported and their pensions aren't being raided, you know, probably getting to bail out because of the crisis that the post office is is, is going through because obviously the, the 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 crisis that we're all suffering from. I mean, I think I think what's really really important now is that the Labour Party actually does, you know, take serious this issue about making sure that, that you know the nationalisation works in the public interest. And we invest in a proper public service. We renationalise the NHS and take out the privatisation elements. I'd actually nationalise all of the private hospitals too. Um, you know, because of this this crisis, they shouldn't be charging us the amount they're charging us for a bed. 
Two, with two million pounds a day, I think they're spending. Two million pounds a day. We should be putting two million pounds. They should be. They should be donating that. They should be donating that to to to, to the good of the country. Definitely. Yeah. And then you've also got obviously the scandals of, you know, they're going to bail out the airline industries. They're going to bail out all the all the rail franchise companies. And, uh, you know, we yeah, should I'll take them all back. Exactly. I mean, I'd, I'd do what the capitalists do. The capitalists wait for you to go uh, go bust and then they come in and buy it cheap. I'd just say, well, we're, we're, we're taking it back off you. No, no compensation. Definitely. Now, definitely. Why, why should we bail them out? I mean, you know, I mean, where are the banks, by the way? Where are the banks bailing us out like we bailed them out in 2008? Why haven't the banks come to our rescue? Why are the banks not saying what we're going to do is we're, you know, we're going to put all this money into the economy to make sure everybody's secure because you did it for us? I mean, there's none of that, isn't there? You know, we should have nationalised them as well. <laughs> definitely, definitely. It seems to be, you know, all of these nationalisations by the capitalists, it's always uh, nationalising the debts, privatising the profits. So It, has, it is indeed, yeah, it is indeed. <laughs> but um, uh, just before we, uh, before we end, uh, we've got a few questions come in from people watching at home. Um, we've got uh, Aaron in London who asks, uh, what are the core demands that, that the workers in the food industry are, are being uh, are putting forward at this current time? Um, so if you, if you don't mind uh, saying a few words about that. I, I mean, m most of the stuff that we've been dealing with um, is, is that we're, we're, we're looking, obviously, to secure additional payments uh, for people who are going in uh, at this time. So, so we're asking employers to recognise the commitment and, and the risk that these people have taken by you know, giving them, a, giving them bonus payments, maybe looking um, at uh, paying like, you know, premium rates for, for some hours that they're working. Um, a lot of it's been based around health and safety, making sure that, you know, social distancing stuff's in place. Um, so those are in the places where we're continuing to work, where, where obviously the, the closing down and the, the, the argument is that it's 100% it's pay. We want our people... Uh, who are, you know, laid off um, to, to receive 100% payment. Um, if they have to self-isolate, no, no statutory sick pay, full pay uh, while they're in isolation. You know, so, so it's all of those types of uh, issues, you know, making sure that, you know, unfortunately we've come across far too many um, people that, that have uh, been laid off in the hotel industry, for example. We're aware of a hotel uh, up, in, up in Scotland um which you know had permanent contracts of employment um those permanent contracts of employment were actually turned into zero hour contracts of, of employment because they said if they didn't sign them they would be out of work and then when they signed them the following week during this crisis they laid them all off so they didn't have to pay them any redundancy you know i mean these 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 obviously are really really poor you know employers who are not doing the right thing by their employees but we've been quite fortunate up to press uh, that most of the people that we've been working with you know, although we have recognition agreements with are doing the right things and like i say where they're not then we're challenging them and and, and we're going to demand that they they do the right things by by our members and give them you know 100 percent give them full sick pay make sure that you know their, their health and safety is protected well, that, that brings us nicely on to our final question then, which is from Henry. Uh, it doesn't say where he's uh, writing in from. Um, but uh, Henry asks, uh, what can socialists do to help uh, workers and trade unionists 
Um, I don't, he doesn't say whether he means right now or in general, but um, what do you think? Uh, you know, we've got viewers at home who are, who are you know, interested in socialist ideas. They want to uh, play a role. They want to help fight uh, for these demands. Uh, what can we be doing at this current time? And then also once we get out of our uh, isolation? Well, I think at this current time, that obviously mo most of our organising is being done online. I mean, supporting the campaigns, I mean, I noticed that, you know, Unite, Unite have got some campaigns ongoing, the GMB have just been successful in the campaign as well. I mean, as well as ourselves, you know, the GMB have stopped World Coast from ending their sick pay scheme. You know, I think, I think joining the trade union campaigns, echoing the messages, because it really does put pressure on, on companies they don't like. You know the naming and shaming element they don't like their brand being damaged in any way shape or form so making sure that we amplify the messages that the trade unions are trying to get out there in relation to stopping an employer acting in, a, in an inappropriate way towards its workforce i think is a is a good you know way that we can currently you know make sure that, that we continue to get our message across about strength of us working together collectively to to help one another I mean, but going forward, then, then obviously it is about making sure that, that we don't give up, um, that we don't believe that, that we can't achieve anything together, that, that people aren't interested in what we have to say. I mean, I hear, you know, sometimes a lot of things about, you know, the 2019 and, you know, what a terrible disaster was, the worst Labour, you know, election since since um, 1935. But what people miss it, people, ten, more than 10 million people voted for socialist policies. That's 10 million people in this country that believe that the right approach was the change of society that we all believe in. You know, so we're not on our own. You know, we're not in isolation. There's more than 10 million of us. That's 10 million people to keep passing our message on. So I think once this is over, is recognizing that our strength comes from our collectiveness. Our ability to, to change the, the, the system comes from us working collectively together the trade unions, the, 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 the organisations, the community organisations, the political groupings, recognising our key is to drive forward with the, with the agenda for change that makes all of our lives better. I think, I think we shouldn't give up on that. And, and you know, don't, don't you know, believe that just because we didn't win an election that, that meant that our, 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 our message was wrong. Our message is right. It's always been right. And we've always demonstrated after a crisis it's the power of the people that changes our society. And this one should be no different. We just have to have the confidence and the belief in that. And we will achieve it, as we always do. Thank you, Ian. That's a, that's a very inspiring message, I think, to end on for tonight. I uh, just want to say thanks again for joining us uh, and for you know, giving us all this insight into what go, what's going on uh, amongst uh, you know, the, the, the workers on the front line, amongst the, your, your trade union members. Um, it's been very inspiring stuff and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll see each other uh, on the picket lines uh, and at, at the demonstrations and on the protests that will inevitably be taking place in the wake of all of this fighting for all those things that you've just been talking about. So thank you again for joining us. Stay safe Good and healthy much. and uh, solidarity. See you soon. Solidarity. solidarity to you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much again for Ian uh, for joining us tonight. Uh, this has been Marxist Voice, the Socialist Appeal uh, YouTube and uh, podcast uh, channel. Uh, again, a reminder, if you are not already, 
please follow us on all of our social media. And most importantly, as I keep saying, as I keep forgetting how to point to, please check out the website socialist.net and help support us. Uh, support us in the struggle for the socialist ideas that Ian was just talking about in the struggle for a socialist uh, future, a socialist alternative to this Tory capitalist barbarism. Uh, please join us. Uh, please donate to Socialist Appeal and please subscribe to our online publications uh, in order to help us uh, carry on producing this analysis, uh, supporting the work that we do um, so that we can keep fighting for socialist ideas. Uh, and thank you very much for joining us again. Uh, tune in next week for more interviews, more analysis. Uh, and until then, stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to Marxist Voice, brought to you by Socialist Appeal, the Marxist voice of labour and youth. Subscribe or download the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider. Or visit www.socialist.net for all the latest news, analysis and Marxist ideas.